0: Amen. Now, our scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2. And we're actually going to read through verse 18 today Uh, 1 through 18. Let's pray as we prepare to hear this word. O Lord, as the light of Christ led us into worship by the acolytes today, as the candles continue to burn, shining your light over us and your word. We ask that You would reveal to us Yourself. You would open our eyes that we might see the truth that You have for us. That as we know Your truth, we might abide with it and come to look like You. We pray this in Your holy name. Amen. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and have come to pay him homage. We've come to worship him. When Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Now after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night and went to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet out of Egypt, I have called my son. When Herod saw that he'd been tricked by the wise men and he was infuriated, he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. Voice was heard in Ramah wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You pray with me and for me now. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts find acceptance in your sight, Almighty Father. For it is you who are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Here we are on the the second day of January And I would imagine that some New Year's resolutions have already been broken. But New Year's is such a time of of possibility to leave behind the old year, to start a new year fresh, to hang up a new calendar that's blank, that we get to see how we and God will fill it up over time. It feels like infinite possibility, a new start. And if we as a church were going to make a resolution, I would imagine that one of the first things that would go up on the list was get more people coming to church. Amen? New people, people who've fallen away, just get the people to come to church, more of them. And if I pressed, I'd ask you, is it enough just to go to church? And because I said just, you'd know the answer is, and if I'd say, what, what more do we need if, if it's not enough just to show up for weekly worship, what what more do we need? Because you know that Jesus didn't come to earth as a baby and die on a cross and rise from the dead just so we could show up to church on Sunday mornings. And you might say that in addition to going to church, we need to profess faith in Christ. Amen? And we'd be right. We want people to profess faith in Jesus, to believe in Jesus not just to show up for worship. What if I told you that just knowing about Jesus isn't enough? Having all the answers and knowing all about Scripture is not enough. And that might be overwhelming to you because you might feel like you don't know all the answers. And if that's not enough, how are you ever going to get there? But it's not. Knowing all about the Scriptures is not enough. And I know because Herod asked the chief priests and the scribes where they could find the Messiah. And they've spent their lives studying Scripture, and they know the answer. Go to Bethlehem. Out of Bethlehem, the Messiah will come. little town, you might not expect it, but we've read the prophecies. We know all about it. The chief priests and the scribes, they know. If you want to find the Messiah, you go to Bethlehem. The good shepherd is going to come from there. They've got God's word. They've spent their lives devoted to God's word, devoted to leadership in the temple. The chief priests are offering sacrifices to God. They have the answers. They know about the Messiah. They know what to look for so they can tell these foreigners who are studying the stars where they can find the Messiah. But the knowledge does them no good. They don't get up, pack up their things, or just take off to find the Messiah. You'd think that if you've been waiting for generations for the Messiah to show up, when someone comes looking for Him who has no reason otherwise to be looking for Him, you might say, maybe we should go check it out with you. But they don't. Maybe it's because there have been so many false uh false hopes before, that the, the, the boy has cried wolf too many times. So they know the promises and they can recite them back, but they're not that interested in going to Bethlehem. Not this time, maybe, maybe not ever. They stay right where they are while these Gentile seekers continue on their way. And Herod does even worse. He starts scheming about what he can do to make sure he can remain in power. Scripture tells us that even demons believe and tremble. It's what it says. Even demons know about Jesus. Every time, or at least consistently, when Jesus meets someone who has a demon, when he prepares to cast them out, they say, Jesus, Son of God, what do you have to do with us? Why are you messing with us? They know who he is but that's not enough for them either. They're not interested in knowing Him and loving Him. They know about Him, and they want to avoid Him. Knowing about God is good in one sense. We're called to love God with our minds. You're not going to find anyone, or you might find some people, but you're not going to find many folks who are more eager to study about God than I. I've spent much of my life learning how to read the Bible in original languages and reading theology and all those kinds of things. And I do that because it's important and it's one way that I live in love of God. But that's not enough. You can spend all of your life learning about God. But if you don't know Jesus, if you don't worship jesus with your lips and your lives if you don't submit your life to christ which is the kind of adventure worthy of your entire life and god will join you for the whole thing if you don't do that knowing about it is not going to do you a bit of good we've got the chief priests and the scribes who've been given the wonderful rich detailed picture of what the Messiah is going to look like. They've spent their lives looking at these resources, studying them, knowing them. And when it comes time to meet Jesus, they miss it. And in contrast to them, we've got these Gentile magicians. That's that's the word magi. We get the word magic from the same word. And they are not at all interested in the scriptures. They're interested in the stars, astrology maybe a little more detailed than the stuff you get in the daily paper about what you what your lucky numbers are today but not too far off from that they're studying the stars trying to figure out what the future holds by looking at the heavens and a new star pops up and this star happens to be one that they should in fact pay attention to god's light shining to them in a dark place where they would have never studied the Hebrew scriptures or anything else, but God grabs their attention and they pack up all their stuff and travel across the desert because that's what's east of Israel, travel across the desert seeking after whatever this star could mean. When they, they see the star, they start to do their research. We don't know exactly what all it looks like, but they figure out that this star must mean that there is a new king in Israel. And they find out where the kings in Israel live in Jerusalem. And so they go to Jerusalem and they start asking around, where's your new king? And as they ask, where's the new king? The People of Jerusalem start to get a little nervous because they know Herod is king and they're not really interested in causing any trouble. They're quite happy with the Roman peace that's come. Maybe not... All of them, not perfectly, but they're not really interested in a coup today. And so they all get terrified, Scripture says. And Herod, too, is frightened by this news. So they find their way to the king's house, to Herod's house, and they say, where's the new king? And Herod says, well, let me see what I can find out for you. And he puts the chief priests and the scribes to work, and they come back with their answer, Bethlehem. They've gotten their help from Herod, but they need to go to Bethlehem. And and Herod says, go and search all over the city. Look for the kid until you find him and then come back to me. And that's what they do. They follow Herod's instructions to Bethlehem and they search all around the city. No. Did you notice how they find Jesus? They leave Herod's and they notice the star again. And the star leads them right to the house where they're going. You see, they got distracted for a minute. They saw the star initially, and they were like, oh, the star must be teaching us something. Let's see what we can figure out based on the star. And that's where they went, on to Jerusalem to find the king based on their research. But after they get the right answer, they don't have to go and search all around Bethlehem. They follow the star. It was guiding them the whole way even if they weren't paying attention, right to Jesus. The star gets their attention. They try to figure it out on their own, but the star, the light of Jesus, was the answer that would lead them all the way there if only they had paid attention. The star goes ahead of them, just like Week to week, I follow the the candles in. We, We, the people of God, are on the move, following God's light wherever it leans. This star interrupts their whole imagination of the world, and they begin to follow after the star. Just like the people of Israel followed after the pillar of fire and the cloud through the wilderness all the way to the promised land, so too do the Magi Follow the star all the way to the child of promise. Gentile outsider rejects find their way to Jesus. The Israelites wouldn't have been at all interested in including them in their hope for the Messiah. But God's grace shows up to them and they pack up their stuff and they go. They didn't need Herod's power or the scribes or priests' knowledge. God was going to lead them there no matter what if they were willing to follow. And once they get there, they offer their gifts out of their wealth to God. Gold and frankincense, fresh-smelling incense they give, and myrrh. The same stuff that they're going to mix in with the wine that they give to Jesus when he's crucified. It shows his value, the the value of the gold, and it shows the sweetness of his life and the sourness of his death, all represented by these Gentiles who knew nothing about the promised Messiah, except that God got their attention. And then God speaks to them in a different way when they go back. They don't follow the star all the way back home. God shows up to them by way of a dream and says, don't don't go back and see Herod, go back another way. What the church fathers say about this is that at the beginning, the the magi were too spiritually dumb, not, not unintelligent, but their senses were numb to the promptings of God. If God had spoken to them, they wouldn't have heard it or they wouldn't have known what to do with it. So God gave them a star. By the time they found their way to Jesus and met Jesus, they were more open to what God had to say to them such that God could show up by way of a dream to speak to them. First a star, then a dream. They've moved from knowing nothing about God to knowing God himself and being able to worship him and hear him speak. In this way, we, we see the gift of following God's grace all the way to Jesus. And we also see the danger in knowing about God, but not love Him. Because here it does this unthinkable thing. Slaughtering innocent children, trying to get rid of this king that has been born so that he can maintain his power and Caesar can continue to rule over Israel. The priests and scribes knew and did nothing. Herod is worse because he asserts his power, trying to control things, thinking that he is the true king. But not even Herod can stop the power of God to save his people. And Jesus gets safely to Egypt and eventually comes back safely to save us. So I ask you as a a Christian, What's your resolution this year? And as a congregation, what is, what is our resolution this year? What are we resolved to do? I hope it's not just to learn more about God. I hope it's not just to show up in church more regularly or to get others to just come to church so that we can feel good that attendance is good. I hope it's not just to read the Bible or just to do all the things, I hope it is that we, each of us, together as a community of faith, can follow God's grace that shows up in the most unexpected and surprising ways to guide us all the way to the feet of Jesus. Where we can offer Him what it is that we have to give. Where we can worship Him. And where we can leave changed by him let's follow god's promptings all the way to the jesus who has come to be with us to relate to us to teach us to talk to us to save us so tonight we're going to have this covenant renewal service this this beautiful service where we say send me to do whatever you'd have me to do lord put me to work for you or set me aside for you put me Rank me with whoever you will. Let me me work alongside absolutely anyone. As long as it's in your will, I will do it, Lord. If you want me to pack up my stuff and my people and head west so we can find a baby in Bethlehem, so be it. Whatever it is, because I want to go with you. And we as a people want to go together with you wherever you lead. What you need today What I need today is to let God's grace lead us to the throne of Jesus where we can live in deep union with him. And his grace is available to you. It showed up to the magi in in one way. It might show up to you in an entirely different way, but God is prompting you. God is leading you. God is seeking you. God is doing what he can to bring you to Jesus. Are you going to respond to that? Are you going to take everything that He's given you and say, yeah, he's, he's in Bethlehem. I'm going to go back to my studies now. What are you going to do with the grace God has given to you? The invitation to all of us is to abide with Him, to let Him abide with us, to rest in His love, to stop worrying so much about what we know, and to start paying attention to who knows us. One way that we do this is by coming together at communion. As Protestants, often we think that the most important thing that we do in worship is listen to the sermon to hear the word of God proclaimed, and it is a means of grace for us. But in communion, we get something other than knowledge. We get Jesus showing up and sharing himself with us. And maybe today that's the sign that you need. Maybe it's, bread, and juice that together offer you an opportunity to commune with the Lord who's come in the flesh to save us. It's not just what you know about Jesus. It's an opportunity to meet Jesus, for him to become a part of your life, and for you to abide in him and his life and light now and always. you pray with me? Oh Lord, we we want to love you with our minds. We pray, Lord, that you would not let us be satisfied with knowledge that puffs us up and makes us proud and lets us say, oh, I know the Bible better than so-and-so. I know more about theology than so-and-so. Pray that you would not let us become like those scribes and chief priests who had all the resources and didn't bother to come find you. We pray, Lord, that if we fail to find you, you would find us and we would recognize you for who you are and delight in you. When the Magi found their way to the house, they were overwhelmed with joy. And we need that, Lord. After a couple of long years, we need your joy to come and to dwell with us and to take on a life of its own. That as we abide with you, others might come to know your goodness and grace as well. This we pray in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our first action